I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me tonight are my two lovely and talented co-hosts miss rachel t moore good evening and the lovely and talented mr eric smith hello and eric's double lovely and double talented he is he's there's a he, i he is my my double stuff jelly bearish Wow. Sorry, was that my outside voice? Wow, that's creepy. Um, so this episode is going to be a lot of fun. We have a special guest joining us, and her name is Amanda Jade, also known as Undies of Wondy. And she, and she is a cosplayer of renown, and she is amazing. And we're really excited to have her. Not only is she a cosplayer, but she is a part of the D20 Girls Project, and she's just amazing. So we're really excited to have her on tonight. Um, so moving into the week of geek, uh, we had a major, major loss in the world of horror films and the film world in general. Uh, that was a very su- surprising one, and I don't think anyone was aware that he was ill, and that is the loss of Wes Craven, and uh, it it really affected me profoundly. Um, if any of you follow me on Facebook, you know of my massive love affair with Nightmare on Elm Street from the time I was like 12, um, and Wes Craven created not only Freddy Krueger, but so many amazing films and not just horror stuff either he worked on just a ton he, of projects he directed music of the heart he yes directed Meryl Streep people don't <laughs> realize that and and not only that but he also directed I have Paris Jitame and uh uh Vampire in Brooklyn and the, some Walt Disney stuff yeah uh, <laughs> it's it's just amazing and not only that but in the world of comic books he did Swamp Thing yeah yeah, mm-hmm. and um, I think, didn't he do the movie Swamp Thing, too? Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. He did the movie version of Swamp Thing with Adrian Barbeau and Lou Jordan. Yeah, I think that was, like, around when I was born, too. Like, um, 82 or 83, something like that. And and then he, um, of course, there was The Serpent and the Rainbow, which was uh-huh. based off of a true-to-life um, experience, which is kind of frightening but not only that but red eye which was a great thriller uh he kind of went the whole gambit and it was amazing and uh it, the the thing that really you know nails this home for me is the fact that next week we're going to be 
doing the biggest Nightmare on Elm Street reunion I think ever put on, pretty close, at Horrorhound. And I was actually trying to get Wes as a, as a guest um, for this. And uh, a few days before he passed, we actually got a response back saying that he was very honored and touched by the request but couldn't make it. And um, then he passed away three days later. So that really messed me up. Um, but I think that in my head, it's nice to know that he knew that he, we were wanting to give him this award. Um, yeah. um, so if you go on our, our YouTube page um, for Fangirl Magazine's YouTube page, I posted, uh, I actually got the honor of, of interviewing him about five years ago for my soul to take. And I posted the entire audio from the interview um, there. Um, and it was an awesome, awesome interview. We talked about his upbringing and how it affected his work. He was uh, brought up as a fundamentalist Christian and for, from a very, very stern fundamentalist background. And uh, he talks about how that affected him and how the work that he does is very positive in terms of um, he, the, the work that he did was very positive in terms of, of, of strengthening um, teenagers and young people against uh, adversity. And if you look at a lot of his work, that's the focus. And it's pretty amazing stuff. Um, and I know I'll Rachel had some words about Well, that. I just wanted to mention that um, Sarah Buck has put, um, we, we, I posted it for her today on fangirlmag.com. Um, she was really touched by uh, the overwhelming amount of West love on the um, on Twitter and the hashtags and compiled her favorite tweets into a found poem of love for Wes Craven and mourning. And so uh, check that out, fangirlmag.com. Um, also, um, because horror fans tend to react very fast when something like this happens. Um, at, at the Horror Helm weekend, we're going to be, we have an ex uh, a piece of art that actually made it online. It started, people were sharing it that um, we had done by an artist that we're going to be auctioning off. There's going to be two versions of it. And one of them is going to be signed by all the fans in, 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 uh, in person at the show. And then also the stars from Nightmare on Elm Street are going to sign as well along the top. And we're going to auction off both works, and all proceeds are going to go to cancer research. That's awesome. Um, and I have a feeling that this thing is going to go for a lot of money because it's a beautiful piece. It's uh, Wes with the glove and the hat on, smiling in black and white. And uh, I think what we're going to do is the, the fan signatures are going to be in green, and the um, star signatures are going to be in red. In blood. <laughs> there might be a little blood. There'll probably be some tears. I don't I don't doubt that at all. Um, Eric, did you have any thoughts on on Wes Craven? I just uh, always think of seeing a nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. Uh, we actually had a theater. It was like a two screen theater inside the mall. And uh, you know, it was this brand new movie. No one had ever heard of this character before. Um, and uh, I had a date and we went to see it and it freaked her out. <laughs> um, it freaked me out a little bit too. It was fantastic. 
And uh, we went to Baskin Robbins, which was also inside the mall after the movie, <laughs> and had some ice cream and just talked about what a crazy, amazing movie it was. That's awesome. I I was so terrified of Freddy Krueger because when I was little, the TV show was on. Freddy's Nightmares. I somehow managed to accidentally see some of it, and it terrified me, and it resulted in, at a haunted house, me kicking this guy dressed as Freddy Cougar pretty hard in the shins. But um, one thing that I I did do is I revisited them as an adult because of Jessica. Um, back, at, back a few years ago, Jess and I actually did a fangirl episode where she told me the plot of all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and it actually made me go watch Dreamwalkers. Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. I watched Dream Warriors <laughs> this last Halloween. I don't even remember the name, but I enjoyed it way more than I thought. And I was like, this is dumb. This is hokey, but it's such a cool concept and it's so much fun that I couldn't hate on it. Well, and, and we're going to have a lot of, I think, are we having all the Dream Warriors? I think all of the Dream Warriors are going to be at the show. So I'm, I'm really excited about this, and, and I think it's going to help a lot of fans get through. Well, and you just don't have that kind of fun horror movie anymore. Mm-mm. Like, we, we're really good at scary, but, you know, I think it's kind of its own special thing. Well, and, and I have uh, to say, I, I um, finally got to see all of My Soul to Take. Um, I actually went out and bought it because I had only gotten to see part of it, and I went out and bought it the day after he passed. And... Um, mm-hmm. I watched the whole film, and it is actually very good. Uh, I And what's even cooler about it is not only is it, it seems like a meshing of all the things that Wes Craven had ever put into film. Um, there's a lot of things I see, like callbacks to certain other films that he's done. But the cool thing is um, Michonne from the Guerrera is in that movie, as is... Raul Esparza, Dr. Chilton from Hannibal. So you have a, like a nice little cross section of horror things was in Wes, there as well. Was Wes Craven his real name? Yes. That is like the most fortuitous that like he pretty much had to make horror movies. As right? far as I know, yes, that is his true name. Either that or try to hunt Spider-Man. <laughs> Although true. it's spelled differently. Probably. Uh, I, have to, I think my favorite Wes Craven movie is People Under the Stairs. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. And again, another one I saw in the theater. I saw so many of his in the theater. I was lucky enough to do that shocker. and <laughs> and uh, But something about people under the stairs just, uh, I don't know. It just, you, you know it what, got to me. The one, yeah. that, the one that creeped me out was Deadly Blessing. And I saw that on TV. And it creeped mm-hmm. me the hell out. Like major, like the ending of that just destroyed me as a child and i saw it way too young like i saw it probably Mm -hmm. when i was like three or four years old it was during that time of the exorcist too um and the other one that i it stuck with me and i finally realized like 15 20 years ago what the movie was was chiller he did did a lot of tvs made for tv movies and 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 that was a great one and it was creepy as hell that the guy came back with no soul, you know, and, and uh, kind of ahead of its time and oddly a made-for-TV movie. Back in the day, there were some wonderful made-for-TV movies. I think Deadly Blessing was made for TV. I almost want to say, but I think I'm, I think I'm off so. on that. I don't know. But, yeah, you know, they had the ones with Linda Blair, the one with her sister's a witch and all that. There's some good stuff. And, oh, don't forget Deadly Friend. I mean, Matthew, you know, that that's another one that was... 
a really that came right after Nightmare on Elm Street and <laughs> had that surrealistic bent to the ending, just like Nightmare on Elm Street. But I, the one thing, and before we get into the rest of our our um, Week in Geek, but the one thing I have to say about Wes Craven, I don't think you would have nearly as much of the meta in te- in movies as you, you know, the self self referential stuff mm-hmm. in film if it wasn't for Wes Craven. That's true. He started it with oh. Scream. I mean, it's crazy. I think well, you could even go... argue he started it with the Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Well, well, it actually well, he, new he Nightmare is what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, New Nightmare, yeah. New Nightmare even before Scream. That one I think took the cake. That was sort of like fan fiction. Right. Come to life, but it's not really fan fiction because it's written by the guy who did it. Right. <laughs> and it was such a neat concept. I love that movie. And it was a great comeback for the character because especially Nightmare on Elm Street 5 was horrible. Oh, the, uh, the, the credit sequence for Nightmare on Elm Street 5 was but, horrible. <laughs> and then the, uh, I don't know, it, it you know, it, it, things kind of fell off pretty sharply. And then to come back with New Nightmare and, you know, you've got Wes Craven in it playing himself. Uh, Robert Rob England playing himself. In the dual role. <laughs> And triple, have like, triple yeah. role if you want to get technical because his the Uber Freddy that they made in that right. God he was sexy. Um uh, but the Uber Freddy sorry the, the Uber Freddy was was totally separate and amazing makeup. I mean that that whole thing was just so awesome. And uh yeah and then and then he came back with Scream and then did two and three and then four and yeah, it's just you would not have as much of this. Like he started that whole snarky <laughs> horror and you know movie series. Those characters, and especially Edgar Wright even said that if it hadn't been for Scream, you probably wouldn't have had something like Shaun of the Dead because he wanted to have something funny yet terrifying. Mm-hmm. And he even says that in Scream, when Scream Four came out. They asked if they could put a clip from Shaun of the Dead in it, and he like ecstatically was like, "Yes, you can take the whole movie." <laughs> so I love the opening of Scream Four. It's a brilliant with the, opening with the different. Oh, they're watching this. Oh, wait, now they're watching this, and then they're watching this. It's it's brilliant. So I um, I want to say thank you, Mr. Craven, for your work and for being an amazing gentleman to everyone I've ever talked to has ever talked to him. I haven't heard one bad word. He's just a he was just a really gentle, very smart guy and uh, artist with movies. So, Amen. Yep. So moving on to our TV recap for the week. And Rachel, do you want to run away before? Because actually, Eric watched the finale of Hannibal. <laughs> oh my goodness! He didn't watch you know anything else. I'm going to take out my headphones, and you just message me when you're done. <laughs> I'll I'll watch the little thing waiting for you to message me. Um, Eric has never watched a single episode of now, Hannibal. I had planned on watching all of the Red Dragon episodes, <laughs> but I just happened to be sitting here. And it came on, and I said, "All right, so right, well, I might as well watch it." So, out of all of the all the episodes of Hannibal, he watches the last one, and then he's like, "What did you say, Eric?" 
what did you say? They all talk like Batman. Was that what it was? <laughs> Basically, that's what it was. It was everything they said was just, it was this kind of deep voice. Even the women. I, you know. Were like that. I don't know if she survived this far. Me cough. I don't know if she survived this far, far, but there's points in both Hannibal and The Fall where Jillian and- Anderson is like sub vocal. I swear she's just moving her lips. And like they must have the best microphone in the world. Well, the thing the thing that's funny is um I, I, I tried to convey to Eric, I'm like, you've got to remember this is the last one. And he, right. he made a comment like, Was everything so important and weighty that he they had to talk <laughs> like that? I'm like, it's the last. No, episode. but to be fair, they do pretty much talk like that the whole They time. do, and the, and there's a reason for it. It's sort of um it's part of the cinematic conceit of it. I mean, it's, it really it, is. They do talk like Batman. And, and also you got to remember what ha- almost half of them are are psychologists. So they're going to not they, have a sense of humor? They're not. <laughs> well, they no Hannibal has a total sense of humor. Hannibal is a, is got a, a great sense of humor and irony, but the thing is, they all kind of talk like that because that's how typically psychoanalysts will talk to you. They 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 talk very low and soft, and you got to what? what the ones that I've ever had. That's, that's, <laughs> maybe maybe they were just afraid of you. <laughs> they could have been, but I find it. I find that that's kind of where I I where I took it from. Plus, it's it's a very ser- serious show. For the most part, I mean, they're well, I think a lot of the series in general has this idea that the emphasis is on what's happening inside, not outside. So there are there are points in the series where the music is so loud and jangly, it drives you a little insane and you can barely hear the people. (laughs) And it really is a beautiful cinematic way of kind of conveying that sort of insanity. But it also kind of makes you crazy, especially if you were jumping in towards... Well, he just watched the last one. That was I'm like, I know, I Eric. You're the opposite of like, me. I'm like, don't tell me the last one because I would uh, like to watch the rest. Well, well, one, it was Red Dragon. Although, obviously, uh, can I say nothing specific? But obviously, they made changes. Oh no, they well, totally yeah. did. Yeah, but yeah. it's not like I don't know Red Dragon. Um, I will say <laughs> it was beautiful. Mm-hmm beautifully shot and i loved the gore that was fantastic well and if you like that you have to watch the other two seasons because and the the entirety of the third because the first season is probably one of the most beautiful uses of blood and just the human body and how they display these things that i have ever seen it it just Brian Fuller has a way of making horrific beautiful. Even it actually is so pretty that I find it difficult. Like I, I I even catching up to the last season, I won't binge watch it because it is so gorgeous that you start to find yourself repulsed at yourself for finding it quite so pretty. You know. I just well, want to see the Wendigo. Oh, oh, dude! He, yeah, you gotta watch the other two you seasons. Do. You have to, and and the thing that, that I I will actually say this: I would say that Brian Fuller probably has a better eye, and I'll probably have some people get mad at me if they hear this, but I think he's got a better eye for beautiful horror, more so than any other director out there, and that includes like Alexander Aja, who somehow made that Hills Has Hills Have Eyes remake so pretty and yet so horrifying 
I, but he, I think Fuller can be, I think Fuller you know, stopped it. I think part of it is he, he really, I think, approached it almost like an opera instead of a horror movie. And so he, he brought kind of a freshness to it. Well, and he, he's just a, he's a huge horror nut. I'm just desperate for his, um, his American gods. I'm desperate for it. Oh, he is too. And <laughs> he can't wait. But um, the Hannibal finale, I have to say, just amazing, amazing ending. If this is the end and the nod at the end to what happened, the final, final. Then, now, Eric, did you see that? Did you see the post credit? I, I did. Now, did you read the the Brian Fuller interview? I read some uh, of it. I read regarding some that scene. I read some of it. Now, Rachel doesn't know what we're talking about. Do I need a ditch? Probably. All right, I'm going to ditch. I will be back when they're finished um, dissecting everything. <laughs> so what did Brian Fuller say about that specific scene? Your review, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, you believe that she cut off her own leg and was serving it up waiting for Hannibal. Yes. Okay. Well, the person that did the interview that I read uh, said that that's what he thought as well. And Brian Fuller said he loved that idea, but that was not the case. Oh. Apparently, she's someone's captive, and that person cut off her leg and is serving it up. She's waiting for that person to come to the dinner table. That's why she grabs the fork, because she's going to try to defend herself or kill the person oh. that cut her leg off. So but, are they trying but, to say that Hannibal has her, or is it someone else? Uh, see that's the part that's up in the air and that he wouldn't go into. Um, but again, he did it. He said, I love this, that interpretation that she did it herself and is waiting there for Hannibal. Who's obviously possibly, obviously never going to show up, but, uh, wow. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Cause I, I actually read the, the interview before I read your review. So I heard someone else put forth that theory first. Huh. And then I saw that you had the same thing. Now, I have to say, I don't know why, uh, because I assume this is shot in high definition. Uh, yeah, it does show on HD, and it's beautiful. But HD. it didn't, for some reason, on my TV, and I have a pretty decent TV. It's not the greatest, but it's pretty good. Like, Mad Max Fury Road looks incredible on it. But I couldn't tell... When they panned down, I couldn't tell that that was a leg stump. Well, it, it's kind of weirdly, it was weirdly um, designed. Like, it, you didn't see the foot. But that, you know, that was, no, I, mean, I was trying to figure leg, out what it was. When it down to her lap. And you uh, see the stump bandaged up. Oh, okay. No, I couldn't tell that that's what it was. All I saw was, I thought there was like something sitting on her lap or something. I couldn't tell. But that was just for some reason on my TV. It just didn't. It wasn't very clear. Yeah, I and I think it was a little. It took me a minute too, and then I figured out what had happened. I'm like, oh god, <laughs> oh oh god. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was a leg on the table. I just didn't realize it was her leg because <laughs> I couldn't tell. And but the whole episode, I didn't think. I thought it should have been clearer. I'm like, I really think this show's in HD and it doesn't look HD on my TV. Well, and also it's because her she had her dress on where yeah. I think it kind of shadowed it out. So, but, yeah. But, yeah, um, like I said, very beautiful. I loved the gore. My God, when 
one will get stabbed in the face. Oh no, that's nothing. You that have seen awesome. nothing. You've seen nothing. Okay, so I'm bringing Rachel back. All right. <laughs> I'm bringing Rachel back. The next thing I wanted to talk about really quickly, um, and I because I know Rachel has some love for Celebrity Big Brother UK that she has to get out for chest. Um, uh, is I have to talk about the Rick and Morty season finale uh, with Stephen Colbert. And not only Stephen Colbert, but Alan Tudyk was in it, too. <laughs> nice. um, but it was an amazing episode where they kind of, it, it, it was really, that's the thing with Rick and Morty, is it's very smart in how it writes, especially with the sci-fi stuff. And this one was uh, like a, a multi-layer, like Rick, you find out that his his UFO, um, whatever you want to call a flying car, um has a battery that is ran by an entire civilization he created specifically to power his battery. And it turns out that that civilization scientists have now created a a mini civilization to run their energy and so on and so on. So there's like these crazy levels of the same thing. And then they bring up the fact that you basically have enslaved an entire race to power your car. And Rick is like, well, you're talking semantics now. And then he finds out that the rest of the people are doing the same exact thing. And it just is this endless loop of, of slaves. And it's, it's like I said, the season is really dark, but this is just so much so smartly written and Colbert is his name Zeep Zanflorp and it uh, is just amazing and he f- takes on Rick because they're bat equal in the brains department and it's great to watch he, him and Rick take on each other and try to outsmart one another uh, so it was a great episode and also by the way there is going to be a season 3 of Rick and Morty they announced it on August 12th so yay if you have not watched Rick and Morty you have no excuse it's on a on Cartoon Network's website will allow you to watch all of them. So they are up there. You should watch it. It's really, really good. Um, very, very smart cartoons, which sounds weird, but is true. So Rachel, Celebrity Big Brother UK. So let me explain my love for Celebrity Big Brother because um, I would I would uh, like real talk. I suffer from depression. And, you know, and um, all sorts of stuff. And so sometimes uh, my challenge is to get my brain to turn off. And um, my usual television of choice does not, um, is like documentaries or kind of like, you know, um, murder mysteries, true crime. Not stuff that really lifts your mood or, or <laughs> you know distracts from whatever ails you and so um reality tv is usually a really good solution except reality tv is how would you put this really horrible like it's bad for you (laughs) on a soul level and um and usually it takes people who are not as well off and both exploits them and makes fun of them and glorifies the worst parts of them at the same time And the beautiful thing about Celebrity Big Brother is that everyone who's there is getting paid to be there. So it's not like they're all competing for this big prize and that's if they don't get it, you know, they're just out a month's work or whatever. They they all negotiate and they're pretty upfront about the fact that everyone's paid to be there, right? So, you know, the only thing that's being exploited is celebrity, but not in a weird, like, um, 
paparazzi way. I mean, they voluntarily, you know, negotiate these contracts and go in. And uh, their incentive for staying in the house is that if they leave without getting kicked off, they don't get paid. Right. So, <laughs> so it's kind of as far as reality TV goes, it's a little bit guilt free because they're horrible people and they fight all the time every season. Um, every series, you know, they take some really nice people and they shove them in there with really like, you mean like not tea, nice people. Tia Tequila. Or tila, okay, so here's the deal with, <laughs> here's the tea on Tila Tequila. So she gets on Celebrity Big Brother and somehow, like, they have to go undergo psychological tests and crap to get into the Big Brother house. And somehow they don't do enough of a background check to know that she's a Nazi sympathizer. And I mean, girlfriends go bona fide crazy. Like she, she, she says she's been abducted by UFOs. She, and that she fought her way down. And um, maybe she just didn't recognize an airplane. <laughs> that is so great. <laughs> God, so, I'm, I'm almost glad I don't know what she's talking about when she talks about the airplane. I don't even know. So I, I, what, I what happened? What's happened is. Tila Tequila, uh, so every time in Celebrity Big Brother, they usually have a few Americans, sometimes up to half Americans, and then British celebrities. And this season, the theme, because last season it was fairy tales, this season the theme of the Big Brother house is Brit- Britain versus America. Oh, wonderful. So they were they were split into factions right away, supposedly, except for like all the sane Americans don't want to be on the American team. Because it's comprised of um, Janice. Batman Scoops, who's pretty entertaining. Um, it has uh, uh, Daniel Baldwin. <laughs> Stephen Baldwin's been on before. They got Daniel Baldwin, who does talk like Batman all the time. Um, <laughs> he needs to be you have um, Jenna Jameson, who started out really strong and like very likable. And unfortunately, she's weirdly allied herself with... Um, Oh, what's her name? Farah Abraham, maybe Farah, the um, teen mom. Yeah, Farah Abraham. Farah Abraham's on there. And then the little um, hunky guy who was dating Mark Jacobs and now has been married to a British guy, Austin. I never remember his Austin last name. Austin Armacost. I'm looking at these guys oh. and I'm like, I don't even yeah. know who any of these people so, are. So um, Austin <laughs> Armacost is basically famous because he, he dated um, Mark Jacobs for a hot second. And then Mark Jacobs was like, okay, done now, bye. And um, he went on to be on the A-List TV show. So you have quite a people, few people who are famous for being reality TV stars on the American side. And then, um, hey. <laughs> and then the original, and there was Tila Tequila, but it turned out that she, that they didn't like, they found out after she was in there and a bunch of people protested that she like thought Hitler is adorable. Her quote, not mine. <laughs> no exaggeration there. And they pulled her out of the house, but they didn't tell anybody in the house why they pulled her. They just said due to things outside of Big Brother. So, of course, everyone had fun speculating about that. So that's the the U.S. side. So it's not like the best and brightest of Americans. And then on the other side, there's um, there's Chloe Jasmine and Stevie. And they were um, X Factor competitors that met and fell in love and like a year later they're engaged which everybody kind of thinks is a little bit um there's a lot of concern about whether they're an actual couple or not 
and the fact that they're engaged and seem to be kind of working through like basic relationship stuff kind of yeah is making it but they're you know she's but it's reality tv it's as real as the bachelor or the bachelorette right it must right. be real well it's actually weirdly a little bit more real than those because um they don't have scripts. They they give them these tasks, and if they don't do the tasks, they get less food or less good food. Oh, that's so, funny. So they keep everybody in it. and But, like, a lot of the show is just people complaining about um, freaking uh, uh, being on Big Brother, <laughs> which I think is a lot of fun, like, to have a show where they, like, are okay with that. Okay, so the rest of the British cat cast, because it's taking too long, and I will, I'll have to catch you up next time. Um, <laughs> there's um, Natasha, oh, I can't remember her last name, but she's one of the atomic um, kittens. Do you know who they are? They're, like, a massive, they're massive um, girl band over there. Um, <laughs> what? I know, I've never heard of them. Do you have, uh, um, and uh, there's... I see. I see some of these British actors. I don't remember their names, their full names, but they're Sherry, and Sherry's one of the loose women, and she's been on like everything. You know, she was on all sorts of their serial shows, and um, James, now, it, who was on the Celebrity Apprentice UK. One, the one I was curious about was Gail Porter, because I'm, I'm think I know who that is but I don't oh, I think okay I so do. Gail Porter you probably know because her naked body was um, projected onto parliament a few years back and it was it was like super scandalous because it's illegal she was this super um blonde long hair leggy model um awesome model and then during a bunch of stress she developed alopecia and lost all her body hair and then she refused to go she refused to put on wigs for roles and as a matter of fact, she refused to cover up her hair as she was losing it. She was just like, this is me, and I'm not going to apologize for about it. I didn't apologize for being blonde and gorgeous. I'm not apologizing for being gorgeous and bald. And awesome. Um, she, she's awesome. I think she does some stuff with Loose Women, and she does a lot of TV presenting over there. Okay, that's how I know her. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, you've probably seen her on some different things. So then they brought in at um to be like kind of I think to kind of settle things down a bit weirdly some grown-ups so they bought in Bobby Davros who's of course a famous British comedian and they brought in Janice Dickinson who is like reality tv royalty like I can't believe she hasn't been on it before so funny normally it takes about like three or four days for it to kick off in the house like where the first big fight happens so they usually keep them really busy but like seriously, 45 minutes in, 45 <laughs> minutes in, first big fight and it hasn't relented. And it's mostly Farrah, Farrah Abrahams. She just, I, I don't even know if she's a real person. She looks like a, a caricature of a human being. Okay, so last season they had Perez Hilton in there and he was despicable. But like you had a sense that he always kind of knew the game he was playing. Even if you just hated him, which I did, I like actually lost respect for him, which I didn't think was possible for me to lose more. But <laughs> this season, Farrah Abrahams just takes the cake because I don't think she knows what she I don't think she knows what game she's playing. 
I, 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 I don't know. Uh, Janice Dickinson has already spit at somebody. Okay, <laughs> and you got to understand that BBC um, actually puts these up on YouTube for Americans. I think it's BBC K5 or something is the name of the channel. And so every night you can watch because they're like seven hours or something different. Anyway, every evening you can watch the show for the day because it's on every day for a month. You watch the show, then you watch Celebrity Big Brother Bit on the Side, which is hosted by Riley Clark, and then you can watch 45 minutes of just random <laughs> live feed. Wow. This is my life this month. Okay. And with that, <laughs> with that, we're going to bring on our special guest. <laughs> what did you say? With that, we're going to bring on our special guest because yeah. I'm just, I'm sort of terrified by the thought of, if Rachel's sad, she's watching Celebrity Big Brother UK. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, it's if you are a reality TV person and you feel bad about it, that you know it's just entertaining, and you know that they're all getting paid very well for it, and they know what it's about. But this it's one, they on, don't get paid for. <laughs> they've been on for 16 seasons, so the truth is, if they've been on for 16 seasons, you can watch the other seasons. You know what it's up, right? It's not like a surprise. <laughs> That's awesome. I miss the surreal life. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to put that out there. It's kind of like that, though. Yeah, it totally is. It sounds like it totally is. I I, I probably should be watching this. It sounds like it's actually it's actually a lot like the surreal life, except they do have these great British actors that I love on there and they get pretty big. Um, Katie Price was on there last season and she's like, you know, she's Jordan. She's the pop star Jordan. Mm hmm. I know who that is. Actually. Yeah. So, I mean, they get huge names on there. Like, they'll have, you know, Daniel Baldwin, but then they have Bobby Davros. <laughs> you know. So, anyway, it's kind of my guilty pleasure, and I kind of am going to be geeking out about it, so you'll hear about it periodically. Probably. That, that works. Because I, 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 I now have to probably watch this, because it sounds like my kind of crack. Girl, you got to catch up, because oh, there's God. like, you're like five days behind or something now. It's ridiculous. All right. Like five <laughs> or six. So we're going to go ahead and bring on um, Amanda, a.k.a. Undies of Wendy. Hi. There she is. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Hi, guys. How's it going? Doing great. And I kind of already introduced you, but I'll introduce you again because you're worth having a double introduction. Um, so everybody, I, wanna, uh, I want to welcome Amanda to the show, also known as Undies of Wendy. And I'm, I'm, I, it's just, I just want to give her a hug. I'm looking at her, her uh, Skype photo right now, and Aww. she's this adorable little Ariel. <laughs> so cute. One of my faves. I love that costume. I love that wig. Um, oh my god, me too. Even though it's like a monster to keep intact. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, so everybody, uh, Amanda, I want to introduce you to Rachel. Nice to talk to you. And Eric. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> I was just telling Jess before you came on that... Um, I actually have been a fan of yours for some time. I had no idea that you lived in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I don't, actually. One of my really good friends does. Um, okay. He's the one that hooked us up with all this. <laughs> yeah. We are, you know, no, I have, to tell, I have to tell the listeners this. I was at um, my bank, <laughs> and I was standing there with my Catwoman t-shirt, like my classic Catwoman t-shirt that I stole completely from Jess and I hope she gave me and I didn't just steal. You, I, did, I did give it to you. <laughs> I was wearing it and he, he's like, oh, do you like cosplay? And I was like, what? Because, you know, I'm at the bank. I'm not even thinking about my shirt. And then he says, 
I think I've seen you around. And I'm like, oh, you know, I do stuff with Fangirl. And he goes, oh, my gosh, do you know Andy's a wonky? And I said, well, I don't, like, know her personally. But, yeah, of course I know who she is. She does an awesome Black Canary. Like, I'm a huge fan. And he goes, he says, she's a friend of mine. And I'm like, uh, you need to give her my number. Because this has to happen Yeah, now. that's my friend Josh. He's one of literally my best friends. Um, we actually met, like, through Tumblr. Uh, super nerdy disclosure. Um, I'm, like, super into, like, Tumblr and, like, follow, like, all the RP blogs. Yes. Like, because I literally love all of them. And uh, Josh and I, who Josh is the bank teller, uh, <laughs> used to be in uh, an, a Young Justice one. And it was, like, kind of like our own little, like, Young Justice, like, headcanon writing thing. And it was great. But we've been in touch. Josh, uh, Josh is, like, literally one of my best friends. Like, Aww. I know. And we live so far away. One day I will come up. You have yes. to. We're having a big co- um, convention here now, and you should come. And uh, because if you haven't checked out undiesofwendy.com, um, I believe. Yeah. Correct if I'm wrong, you don't know, might not know what an awesome cosplayer Amanda is. Yes. And if you guys don't know what Undies of Wendy means, Amanda can tell you what that means and can tell everybody what Undies of Wendy stands for. You see, I get that question so many times. Like, I think that people think, like, maybe there's, like, some, like, deep secret meaning. It's exactly, <laughs> it's exactly what you would exactly. think. I love Wonder Woman, and I really enjoy her star-spangled booty. And, <laughs> I, you know, and at first it was, uh, like, when I first made the Twitter for it, it was um, 1D undies. But then I felt like undies of 1D really rolled off the tongue a lot better, so I wound up switching it later. But, yeah, no. It's incredibly satisfying to say. So many people are like, wow, where did you come up with that? I'm like, I don't know. I just got lucky. <laughs> it reminds me of underoos. Yeah. Exactly. And I love underoos. <laughs> like, but I did have a pair of really cool. Well, I have actually now, because of the name, a lot of people have gifted me with lots of pairs of Wonder Woman underwear. But I had one really cool pair, and I would brag about it all the time. So, I mean, that's that's basically where it came from. That's awesome. So, did you get into cosplay because of um, acting? Because I... I know that you act. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I always say that I kind of, like, attribute it to the fact that I grew up in the theater. Like, my mom is, like, a crazy musical theater person. Like, I was always with her at rehearsals. Uh, I did my first play, technically unborn, like, in her stomach. She did a community theater version of (laughs) it. Unborn. Yeah, no, I was in her belly, and she was the baker's wife, so she was a pregnant baker's wife. Oh, my gosh. That is the best. So there was a bun in the oven? There was uh, a baker's wife. Yeah, which is totally ironic because the character, like, she's like, she wants a child so bad, and she's like barren. But mm-hmm. you know, there was my mother, you know, teeming with life, me <laughs> in there. Um, yeah, and then uh, when I was six, you know, she put me in my first play because, you know, like, her friends were all into theater, and they were like, hey, we're doing Annie. Let's throw Amanda in there. They made me go to an audition. I sang Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. I remember it. Like, <laughs> Like, I literally, like, have a memory of it. It's so crazy. Um, But, you know, I went to my first convention, uh, Baltimore Comic-Con, in, like, 2007. And, you know, I I didn't even know what, like, Comic-Cons were. Like, we just kind of got tickets on a whim. My dad had a friend who uh, was part of it, gave us these tickets, like, because he was, like, my dad was, like, uh, working with him. Uh, and I just, like, I was, like, blown away. I was like, there's so much stuff to buy. There's so much cool <laughs> 
so many cool and like adults in costumes that really blew me away. It was like, oh my god, I can go and dress up as like characters. Characters, because I mean, back then I was just strictly anime, and I kind of like got more into comics. Like Teen Titans was like my precursor to comics, and then from there I just kind of like now I'm totally comics and like almost no anime, but like it's <laughs> totally flip flops, but. You know, that's really what got me started was that convention. So I'm curious, um, on your website, you've got these great photos of you on the top. Is that Jim from Jim and the Holograms? No, which one? The one, uh, the the great, you got the eye streak makeup going on with like the Oh, red no, stuff. that is, that's actually Jiraiya from Naruto. That is an anime. Oh. It's my one, my one anime cosplay. But I would, I am dying to do a Gem in the Holograms cosplay. Like, oh, you would slay. You oh, my to. God. You have to, or better yet, like pizzazz from the Misfits. Or oh, something. my God. I, <laughs> I, I feel like I maybe like the Misfits more than I like the Holograms. Like, well, yeah. Um, especially with the new comic that came out, I feel like at New York Comic Con this year, I'm going to see a lot of Gemini Holograms cosplayers, and I'm going to freak out. Like it's just, it's going to be so awesome. They'll, they'll probably uh, be protesting the new movie. I have a feeling that. They're oh man, <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little afraid of the new movie too. I, I have to say, but I go into things with no, um, like literally no expectations. That's how I. That's the only way I could be happy at any sort of movie like that. Oh, did you go to Fantastic Four? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a bad time. Uh, we, <laughs> my, my boyfriend and I, uh, he writes for evilgeeks.com, and, you know, he's he's huge Marvel nerd. Um, and he and I, we took my little cousin, who, um, like, really doesn't know much about, like, comic books. Like, I brought him to New York Comic Con, but, like, you know, he's, he's kind of, like, getting into there. So he literally was leaning over to me and asking me all these questions, like, so did he turn into a rock man because he fell into a pile of rocks? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He's like, he's just so good. He's like, why is this lady being such a bitch? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I felt so bad. But uh, afterwards we went to White Castle and got a giant crepe case. So that's what I was looking forward to. Uh, I couldn't wait for the movie to be over so I can go get my crepe case. That was pretty much what? it. Oh my goodness. I forgot how much I like White Castle. Oh. <laughs> See, the crave case is literally a suitcase full of burgers it's like 30 it was like 30 bucks but it's like a bajillion burgers just in a giant suitcase like I felt very belly bombers. my my grandfather yeah. used to be a trucker and that's how i got into white castle so hardcore because <laughs> he would buy like like 50 of them and have them frozen and to bring them back uh, oh frozen. and we don't have them here no we don't we me neither. We don't have it. Um, I'm up in Albany now. Uh, we were down in um, the city. I was in Staten Island, actually, uh, visiting my grandma. <laughs> so that's why. Um, but, yeah, they have a White Castle right near their house. So I was like, yes, I'm hitting that up before I leave. Well, and one thing I have to say to you that makes me so, so happy is the fact that you are so body positive and that you've basically um, told haters go jump off a, a bridge and I really really like that about you. thank you um it was a long road like when people like you know message I get messages all the time on my page which like make me so happy where they're like the reason I cosplay is because of you and like because you keep cosplaying and okay. that makes me like you're wearing spandex and you're a plus-size girl and you're you don't care you're not hiding it but um, the first time that I posted the pictures of Black Canary on Tumblr I got some really really hardcore anonymous hate like obviously because what other kind of hate is there to get i mean no well, one would they're, ever send they're it chicken, they're, yeah they're total chicken shits 
to put it like bluntly. <laughs> and, you know, I posted, and that was my first photo shoot ever, which was, I feel like I was just saying this weekend that that was, I feel like that was really like my first step in like, you know, kind of finding my confidence. Cause like, I never really had confidence. And then I did that photo shoot and I was like, wow, these pictures are awesome. Like, and I felt really good. So obviously I posted them on Tumblr and then immediately was just like slapped down. And I was really <laughs> upset. Um, uh, and I, I made friends with at New York Comic Con, uh, Christopher Jones, who uh, d is the comic artist who, uh, he's done a ton of things, but you know, most famously Young Justice, which is how mm -hmm. we kind of, and he's like really active on Tumblr. And, you know, he and his girlfriend, who's his, like also kind of his publicist, like saw this hate that I was getting and reblogged it. And so then from there, like Gail Simone reblogged my cosplay <laughs> picture. And I was literally like, you know, having like my nerdy meltdown. And, you know, it just, it just kind of sparked this like crazy thing. Like, and then like, you know, like within like an hour, like my photo had like over a thousand likes and, you know, people were messaging me so many positive things. And, you know, from then on, it was kind of like, um kind of, you know, a lesson to me that, you know, for every one person that hates you, there's going to be like 10 people that are supportive of you and awesome. So that's, you know, from then on, I was kind of like, let me be that awesome person that empowers other people and, you know, kind of gives them that positive attitude. I, I just, I think that's so important. And I think that's, it's just an amazing thing in that in geekdom and in fandom this these are still conversations we're having because i think we're seeing people just dress who they want to dress like no matter what their body type or skin color or gender and i think that is i mean that's what the fandom's about i don't know why it's still such a issue and the weird thing is that you know now at right now like at you know at this point in time I think I'm like heavier than I like ever was like when I you know when I first started cosplaying and like when I was in like high school and stuff and I felt so bad about my body back then and now I'm bigger and I'm happier which is like really strange and just like something that like you know when I look at back at my old pictures and like oh my god I hated the way I looked back then but like you know by you know society standards like I looked better quote quote but not really. But. You know what? I that's a similar thing for me. I think I, you know, I look at pictures of me when I was when I was thinner and go, I hated myself back then, you know. Whereas now, I don't think about it that much. I'm just me. And um I wish I could go back in time and just tell myself, you know, it doesn't matter. You're still you. Yeah. And it, you're beautiful and do don't don't spend so much time worrying about it. You know? Exactly. Like, I don't, I, I, I really don't know why, like, looking back on it, it's like why I beat myself up. And then, like, for my first, like, you know, cosplay outing, like, picking a character, like, Black Canary, like, within itself, I think, was, like, another step, because it's like, you know, obviously, anybody who knows Black Canary, I mean, aside from her, like, hideous 80s outfit, she's not really wearing much. So, <laughs> I mean... Uh, like, I felt like that was, like, a bold step. I'm like, you know, I've worn her in, like, different, like, you know, iterations of her, like, many, many times after that. And, you know, every time I step out as that particular character, I feel like, you know, like, yeah, this is why I do this. Like, this is, you know, the outfit that started it all, kind of, you know? So. That's awesome. So I know that you have been asking people to thumbs up if for you to do Jessica Rabbit. Oh, which yes. makes me giddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really want that to happen. Like, I, I feel like, you know, since the 2015, you know, con season's kind of wrapping up, like, after, you know, I, I feel like for 2016, that it's a definite thing that's going to happen, especially since, 
Uh, now, like when I first moved up here uh, to Albany, uh, like out of the city, it was kind of like a culture shock because I was like, oh no, I don't know anybody. And literally the only reason that I have friends is because I joined all the, co the cosplay groups on Facebook and was like, hey, here I am. Let's be friends. And literally now, like I, I said it, I would not have any friends if it was not for, you know, this hobby, which is crazy, but awesome at the same time. Uh, but yeah, now, now that I know like all these awesome seamstresses that can help me with that, I feel like that is a definite, you know, reality. And that, that post too, like the thumbs up for Jessica Rabbit, like I, I don't think I've ever put up a post that's gotten so many thumbs up in such a short period of time. Like all of a sudden it just had a hundred likes. It's like, thanks guys. Glad. <laughs> but it made the decision for you. Well, and Oh, Jessica's awesome though. Like for real. Like I'm excited about it. Oh, she's yeah. I mean, and I've seen a couple of cosplays of her that were great, but I, I've not seen. I I, I want to see. Like I think you're, you're, you you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it right. But I was gonna say I I haven't done a lot of cosplay. I know. Um, I think Rachel's done a little bit. I, I'm not sure if Eric. You've has done, done some cosplay. I've, you I've don't. Not done just a lot. doesn't think about it. We did um, like uh, Alice in Wonderland. <gasps> I yes. Love Alice. I I, I love did, your Alice. Well, I my think. I wasn't actually even Alice. I I created like this mock-up of a character called the Hatter Harlot. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice. total. That's cosplay. We went. That we sounds were, so fun. <laughs> I want to see pictures. Like we were running around um, Portland at five o'clock in the morning because we had tickets to see the like three D IMAX, and for some reason we just we thought there'd be a line, and but nobody else really there was cared no about there. <laughs> like nine o'clock in the morning, so we went. We ran around Portland from like four five in the morning until like nine in the morning, and I I had some kind of steampunky. Um, Red Queen. Uh, Red Queen, and she was like half Alice, half Mad Hatter. It was pretty. It was That's pretty so fun. cool. It was it was funny, and I just called myself a Hatter Harlot. And but you know, Jess kind of cosplays as life, so I think that she forgets <laughs> sometimes. She always does. So the first time I ever really did it was I I did um, the Bride of Chucky. I did Tiffany, <gasps> and I and I used my own wedding gown. <laughs> oh my god that's and, so cool well and um it ended up working out really well and then i did it again for um Halloween. for another well ended up um the wedding gown got used again for the final time because i i de destroyed it so much that at that point i could never use it again but i was carrie and I, I i ended up doing a carrie that looked like the um Japanese horror movie version of Carrie because her hair was like laying in front of her face and she, I kind of glared out between my hair. And what is it with Japanese like scary movies and like the hair in front of their face? I, like, don't, I don't know. No, but it works. It works. <laughs> it's very effective. Um, but yeah, the one that I just recently created was Pam Poovy Zombie Killer, and that was that one. That one. <laughs> had My friends are dying for me to do a Pam Poovy, especially you have because to. Um, my friend uh, who's a Joker cosplayer, but he was my Mad Hatter when we did uh, like oh, the yeah. Alice in Wonderland mm -hmm. event. Um, he looks kind of like Archer, and I'm like, if I cell block shaded your face, like I think you would look like Archer. Like oh. I think it would be great. And he was like, you have to be Pam, but you have to carry around like a bucket of flour with you and just pretend like you're just doing <laughs> coke like the whole day, or, or make a Jaegernator because they actually someone made one that works. Oh my gosh, these it's... are all things I need. <laughs> so other than 
other than Pam and Jessica Rabbit, what's the cosplay that maybe you're waiting for the time or for to be able to put all the pieces together because it's elaborate? Like, what's your what's a gold standard for you that you're? Well, my my number one dream cosplay, which was going to happen this year, but then you know life kind of got in the way. My my number one cosplay that I must do, like it's like my you know bucket list cosplay, is Ursula the Sea Witch. <gasps> I love her so much. I love Little Mermaid. It's my favorite movie ever. Like, I need to be Ursula. Like, I was already Ariel, and I was like, okay, that was awesome. Love Jess Mermaid. Jess is going to stop being my friend and, and just replace me with you. That's that's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I just, I just want tentacles. Like, back, and back when, like, I first started, like, Twitter, like, uh, like my joke was always like tentacles like I would always like make because I think it, like I had just discovered like the fact that there was like tentacle like hentai or something <laughs> and like I thought it was hilarious but I would like make references like my tentacles ain't got time for that and my friend made me art of me as Ursula and it says these tentacles ain't got time for that and I was like oh. I need to make like, and I you know even to this day I'm just like we need to make this a shirt like I need to like have this on my body but um, Ursula's up there, um, and also, uh, I am waiting on one major component, uh, to finish up my Batgirl, because, you know, I've kind of done, like, without the Cal Batgirl, like, for a couple of charity events out here, um, but, you know, I am waiting on that awesome Cal, my friend, who was an amazing foam armor person, said, I will tackle this for you, to, you know, just kind of, like, hone his skills a little bit, but, you know... So hopefully for New York Comic Con, I'll be Batgirl and I'll be with Joker. We can do some uh, band killing joke cover oh, photography. <laughs> oh, so how excited are you that they are finally doing the animated version of that? I called this particular friend, like my Joker friend, up and literally like screamed in his ear on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so excited and he and I, I thought he would have heard about it already like so I wasn't really like words like there was no <laughs> words I couldn't even words and he was like wait what are you yelling about I was like killing joke animated confirm real ah and, <laughs> and then Mark Hamill is doing the voice yeah and then I yeah. once that got confirmed of course that was a whole another like fangirl squeeze moment because you know Hamill is his favorite ever and so uh, we're we are very excited as a collective group, but so I'm really interested in seeing on how they're going to do this because I, I feel they, like the Killing Joke definitely pushes a lot of you know pushes a lot of boundaries. So you know, seeing them do it in a way that's like you know true to the comics, but also won't incite riots. Well, I mean, I was amazed, like, the last, my one of my favorite Batman animated ones, I keep telling everyone you need to see this, is The Dark Knight Returns, and the the second part where they actually have the Joker going around just shooting people randomly um, was pretty amazing to see animated, even. I couldn't believe they did that, but this last one they did, the Gods and Monsters one, where oh, that was some brutal stuff. I mean, you had a yeah. kid die. You had people getting sliced in half. And yeah. And Batman's crazy. doing it. You know, like Batman is the one ripping people's throats out on screen. And it's like, and it's Michael C. Hall, which makes it just that much better. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I expected going into Gods and Monsters, but it definitely like wasn't like at first I was very confused because I was like, oh, it's like an alternate universe. Like I, I didn't know anything about it. Like when I turned it on, I was just a little confused. And then 
I kind of like got into it. I really like the character designs, especially Wonder Woman's. Oh yeah. Like for sure. Like if I see anybody cosplaying that at New York Comic Con, like I will probably freak out also. But And I love the their representation of Superman. I thought that was a great take on that whole mythos too. I, I loved it. My my friend was uh, explaining to me, too, she was saying, like, you know, it was kind of, like, a weird thing because, you know, Mom and Pop Ken are, like, kind of, like, really, you know, in their, like, kind of sheltered personality and, like, to make them, like, immigrants and stuff was kind of, like, like, oh, that was, like, a nice kind of nod to that, but, you know, so... I was like, oh, I don't really know, because I don't really know much Superman. He's, like, not one of my favorites in the DCU, but I was like, cool, I'll take your word for it. That sounds awesome that they did that. <laughs> it, was a, it was a really neat thing, and I like the whole, um, the, the fact that they made uh, Zod his father. I thought that, the, and it, it just was such a nice mix. I, I really enjoyed it. I hope they make another one, because I think they did it, such a good job with that whole story. Yeah, and uh, I just watched recently, too, um, Assault on Arkham. And oh. To me, I think that's my new favorite, like, animated DC movie, because um, I, I really hope, like, that Suicide Squad does that. Like, I was like, if that was what the Suicide Squad movie would be, I would be 100% okay with that. Exactly. Spot on. Like, um, because, like, everything that Harley did, like, you know, like, that's the thing about, like, Harley and her character that, like, I respect so much, but I feel like a lot of people don't get is that, you know, she's not just a bimbo. Like, you know what I mean? She's just very, she's very manipulative. She's not just the Joker's sidekick. She's her own character, and she is very complex, and yeah. <laughs> she, she was great. That, that's another one. Thank you for reminding me of that movie, because it really, that one too, They that's another thing we keep saying on the show all the time. DC knows how to make the animated movies. Marvel doesn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, definitely. DC's animated movies. And that movie did uh, really did push a lot of boundaries, too, especially with that, uh, that uh, uber-graphic... Uh, sexy times when... oh yeah i forgot I about like, that <laughs> i what had happened because uh one of our we were doing a podcast and you know one of our guys was like oh you know people are complaining about you uh, the way that uh margot robbie was in the trailer but uh have you guys seen that movie and i was like no i haven't i'm gonna have to watch it so i did and i was like yeah you know like harley uh, she she got into it with deadshot and yeah <laughs> they were like what but you know like I said like I said you know Harley's always got a reason for everything that she does I feel like you know everything's very calculated she's and not an like, idiot she's yeah she's not stupid she knows what she's doing that's why she's lived so long being in love with the Joker exactly and uh, you know even she got her way through med school by manipulating teachers like <laughs> how many people can say that that they've done that it's awesome. Well, I think we're about to run out of time, but I wanted to give you a shot at uh, letting everyone know where they can find you, uh, what you have upcoming, and um, we're going to post some links as well, but I wanted to give you a, a chance to let everyone know what's going on. Sure. Um, I am Undies of Wendy on pretty much everything. Uh, on Facebook, you can find me. It's facebook.com slash undies with a Z of Wendy because for some reason Facebook thinks undies is a bad word but everywhere else <laughs> of course it does <laughs> but for everywhere else it's undies spelled U-N-D-I-E-S 
of 1D uh, uh, on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Tumblr. You can even add me on Snapchat. You can see my stories and all of the gross selfies that I take on a daily basis. So, yay! <laughs> awesome. Well, now, do you have any convention appearances coming up? Uh, um, my next one, actually, I think, is Albany Comic Con. It's up here. Um, but I will be at New York Comic Con in October, which is super exciting. Envy. Um, <laughs> and uh, Infinity Con, which is another, you know, local thing. It's going to be uh, up by uh, our Six Flags, Great Escape. Uh, got some really good guests for that, too. So that's in November. So, uh, yeah. You're going to be busy. Awesome. I know. Awesome. So thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on. We thank love this. We'd love to have you come back and talk about going to New York Comic Con, maybe. Oh, my gosh. Yes, definitely. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, everybody, thank you again for listening. And um, hopefully next week we'll have an episode um, because a Horror Hound Weekend's coming up that week. I might not be able to make it, but we're going to try. We're going to try, damn it. We will try. So thank you again for listening. And this is Fangirl Radio signing off. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.